amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Poetry Superhighway Live. My name is Rick Rupert. I'm a I'm the person behind the Poetry Superhighway, often the person in front of it as well. Um, I'd like to welcome you to this special edition of Poetry Superhighway Live. Um, typically, we do an open reading every month. In fact, we did one just a couple of weeks ago, and we'll do one next month. Um, this is a special edition of the show. We are in the middle of our 21st annual poetry contest, and um, we're going to have a conversation with our poetry contest judges to help give you, those of you considering entering the contest, some insight into uh, into what they might be looking for as you put your, your poems together, uh, your poem entries together. Um, so I've got a couple of them on the line, um, and we're going to get to them in just a, just a minute or so. I want to give you some information about, about the contest, so, so you have some context here for what's going on. Uh, first of all, actually... This show always uh, marks the anniversary of Poetry Superhighway uh, Live. Um, it's actually the 21st year of Poetry Superhighway, uh, but we, we launched Poetry Superhighway Live, uh, these monthly radio shows, about eight years ago, actually almost exactly eight years ago, with the very first show, which was a conversation with that year's Poetry Contest judges. Um, and so we are excited uh, that it's, I guess, the anniversary of this particular format of doing things and uh, that uh, we'll be uh, having the chance to do it again with this year's judges. Um, uh, some shows that we have coming up um, uh, next month on August 12th, we'll have our next open reading. So if you're listening and, and, and confused because normally it's an open reading, don't worry. August 12th, you'll get to call in and read poems again on that day. Um, and then uh, we'll do that again in September. And then, of course, the, the, the really exciting show coming up will be in October, on Sunday, October 7th, which is when our contest ends and all of the work of our judges will uh, come to its culmination as we announce the winners first on Poetry Superhighway Live. So save that date um, if you've entered the contest or if you're considering entering the contest. So we're a few weeks into the contest, um, and the numbers are, are actually pretty impressive uh, relative to past years for, for this early in the contest. Um, we have 67 sponsors, 67 different individuals and organizations who've sponsoring, who are sponsors of the contest. Last year, we, only, we had 51 uh, by the end of the contest. So there's a ton more prizes that are available to everyone who's entering. So what does that mean? Well, if, you, if you're not familiar with our contest, in addition to all of the $1 per poem entry fee, which is divided up amongst the top three scoring poets, the three winners of the contest, um, 
almost well, everyone, not almost every single person who enters the contest gets a prize just for entering. And if you go to the contest webpage, poetrysuperhighway.com slash PSH, you can see the very long list of what all those prizes uh, are. And there's all kinds of books and magazines and subscriptions and literary journals. Uh, someone donated the the, uh, the actual formatting of a book in case you've got a manuscript together and you want to make a book out of it and you have no idea how to do that and how to put together uh, a cover that someone's donated that. Uh, someone said they'll be your writing coach for a month uh, and uh, help uh, generate new work by, by working with you. Just awesome, awesome prizes. Um, that uh, that you will win just for entering the contest every single year of the contest. And again, this is the 21st year of the contest. We've been able to give every single person at least one prize just for entering. Um, in addition to, as I mentioned, uh, it's a $1 per poem entry fee. Um, and uh, in case that raises any flags, um, I'm not, uh, I haven't built a mansion over here, a poetry mansion on the entry fees. All of that money uh, stays in the uh, in the account to which it's uh, it's deposited and then gets distributed amongst the top three scoring poets. The first place winner gets gets half of the money. The second place winner gets 30% of it. And the third place winner gets 20% of it. In addition to that, um, every, uh, every single year for a number of years now, uh, one of our sponsors, Roland Vassen, who's a Southern California poet, has just donated 250 bucks uh, right into the prize pot. Um, and we're not even a nonprofit organization. Uh, I mean, well, we technically are since really all poetry is kind of a nonprofit endeavor, if you know what I mean. Uh, but he just out of um, support and belief in what we're doing throws 250 bucks into the prize pot. So that, that gets added on top of all of the entry fees taken in and, and divided up amongst the top three scoring poets. So just um, a little more on the numbers, and then we're going to get to our judges who are all here and waiting patiently on the line. Um, last year at this point in the contest, when we got to this special blog talk radio event, uh, conversation with our judges, we had 81 poems that, that had been sent to our judges so far. Um, now we've, this year we, um, it's gone up quite a bit at this point, 237 poems have been sent to the judges so far. Um, the judges now having heard that number out loud are probably all having heart attacks and I apologize for that. We do have extra insurance that will cover you for uh, for any medical situations that are result uh, as uh, as a result of you judging the contest. So not to worry there. Um, so so far uh, the contest is is a, has been a huge success, um, and we've got a lot more of it to go um, as the deadline to enter isn't until uh, September. So there you go. Um, and by the way. Um, just so you know, um, when I say poems that have been sent to the judges, uh, when payment is made, when you, you, can, you enter the contest online on our website, you fill out a form, you send the poems, um, and then once I receive your payment, that's when I send the poems off to the judges. So I actually have um, a whole bunch of other poems which haven't been sent to them just because payment hasn't been uh, received for those yet. So that's how it works. So um, that's it. Well, this year's uh, three judges um, are um, all – Okay. Oh, you guys are all ha chatting in the screening room um, while I babble on about the contest. <laughs> Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I have with me, just just joining with me on the phone, are three contest judges for this year. Um, first of all, um, Lisette Alonzo from Hialeah, Florida. She won uh, first place in last year's contest, as well as first place in the 2014 contest, and second place 
in the 2012 contest. Um, and I think, Lisette, this is your third time judging. Does that sound right? Yes, I, I believe that's correct. That is amazing, um, especially considering, for the most part, um, every single year we have a completely different set of judges, except for you, of course, um, who keeps coming back to do it. So that, that you've risen to the top of the contest so many times um, with completely different people reading your poems is, is really extraordinary. So welcome. Glad to have you with me. Um, our, our second judge uh, who we have with us is Matilda Burke, who took second place in last year's contest. Um, Matilda, um, I think you also won, you, you scored pretty highly in the 2016 contest. Is that, is that right? I, I, I might have, uh, I think you took fourth, fourth place. Does that sound familiar or did I forget to delete a I note don't from my... Okay. Well, forget I said that. I <laughs> there you go. And I know uh, you, you're from Pasadena, but you spend a lot of the year in, in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Where are you right now? Um, so right now I'm in Boston for my internship, but I go to Wellesley College. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Well, um, glad to have you have you with me with us. Um, and our third judge glad is Trish. <laughs> our third judge is Trish Lindsay Jaggers, who is from Smiths Grove, Kentucky, a city I just recently drove through. Uh, Trish and Trish <laughs> um, entered our our contest last year for uh, the first time and scored. Uh, pretty high. wasn't one of the top three winners, but was in the top ten. And um, I'm super happy to have you on board. In, you're a relatively new participant in Poetry Superhighway stuff, but of course, you and I have talked a bunch of times because you're a regular caller in our open readings. Trish, welcome aboard. Hey, my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem. I'm only sorry I, uh, we couldn't have a, a bourbon together when I was in Kentucky uh, last month. Well, it presents difficulty shipping that. I'll talk to you about that later. Okay, I, I know, but we, I was we'll like literally. That. We we will have to do that. I wasn't in Kentucky when you were here. I was in Arkansas, Eureka Springs, as, to be exact. As I recall, um, but I I had enough <laughs> bourbon for the for the both of us, so I would not worry. Uh, 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 you were you were well representative, and I definitely thought of you because as we drove from from Nashville to Louisville, which is where we we finished our vacation, we we definitely drove right through Smiths Grove, and I thought, my God, this oh, is you where... floated the Liquid River. I'm not, I, I'm not sure what that means, but that sounds really fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the alcohol river. <laughs> yes. Anyway. All right. Well, glad to have all three of you here. Thanks for taking time out of your out of your day. Um, I've got a bunch of questions for for you guys, and of course, um, I asked you guys to to put some poems together to read, one by uh, someone else that you love, and one by you. But first, just a a, a general question. Um, um, we, we we already know where you live um, right now, but maybe you could tell us uh, what you do for for a living and how you came to uh, how you came to poetry. How did poetry enter your life? What was that all about? Let's uh, let Lisette, Let's start with you. Oh, <laughs> well, um, currently I'm I'm kind of between things. Um, I got my um, graduate degree a couple years back, um, and since then I've was kind of volunteering at my son's school with the PTA and things, um, and I hadn't really landed on anything permanent in terms of <laughs> supporting myself. My husband um, works full time, and so I'm kind of still trying to figure things out. So we can safely say that you're a full time poet. <laughs> I wish. 
guess I could say that. It strains me enough that I, I, I'm not writing as much as I would like to be, especially now in the summer with all the kids home. My, my brain is kind of everywhere. But we could, we could say I'm a full-time poetry. Good. <laughs> and where, where did, um, how, how did you start in poetry? You know, I started writing poems um, probably when I was maybe a teenager as, like, kind of a way to express myself. Um, And it just continued from there. It's just something that I've always done to kind of, um, I don't know, like, purge all those those things floating in your head all the time. And um, it's just kind of therapeutic for me. Awesome. Um, well, um, it, it certainly seems to be working out for you, at least in terms of your uh, impact on Poetry Superhighway and uh, success in entering our contest um, so many times. So um, awesome. Um, uh, Matilda, who's currently in Boston, how about you? Um, I, I guess you're in an internship. Maybe you can tell us more about what it is that you're doing with your life and then also how you started with poetry. Yeah, of course. So um, I'm about to enter my second year at Wellesley. Um, I'm double majoring in international economics and English. So school is pretty much my main focus right now, but I still write when I have time. And I really got into poetry also in high school. Um, Around sophomore, junior year, I had a really great English teacher who was never really my English teacher, but she ran like a writer center at uh, my high school. And I basically saw like the upperclassmen who were really involved in poetry and started befriending them and spending a lot of time in the writer's center, and that teacher really inspired me to start getting into poetry. That's cool. Now, um, just out of personal interest, because I know you're you're from Pasadena, Southern California, can I ask what high school you went to? Yeah, I went to Polytechnic High School. Oh, nice. Very nice. That's a great school. Um, cool. Well, yeah, for um, sure. Welcome. Outside of the fact that you have to wear a uniform every day, was it was that still true when you were there? Not in high school. So I entered in like the ninth grade, but oh. before that you do. Good for you. All right. That's why you entered that school so late, no doubt. Um, all right, Trish. Um, how about how about you? What do you do for a living? Um, uh, and how did you come to poetry? Well, I teach English, uh, which is the natural outlet for one with. Um, the terminal degree <laughs> and, mm. and creative writing and literature, et cetera. Um, but I, I love doing that, though, because I like to be surrounded by young writers and or not people who are necessarily young, but coming to writing um, brand new. And I, I mentor a lot of poets, and have we have I have creative a uh, creative writing um, group that meets. Uh, regularly throughout the semester, so I teach literature, creative writing, uh, composition. Uh, all, you know, all writing is creative, and it's all brand new. It wasn't here before someone brought it to the earth. You know, true. Um, I came to writing. Mm, writing. I was an only child, and it was my only voice. It's my. I was given a journal with a key, one of those diary things by my aunt when I was, I think, six or seven years old. I would have to, I still have it, so I'd have to go look and see what birthday that was for. And I wrote a lot. And I fell in love with the limerick as a child. It was a way for me to creatively, you know, one-up the bullies in school. I could write these limerick poems. You know what you can do with limericks. Um, but I didn't really realize people 
published or did anything until I was in my aunt's house. We didn't have any books in the home I grew up in. I grew up in an illiterate household. It's ironic that I grew up to be an English major. But um, I got in trouble for turning a book, opening a book and leaving it open face down. Um, I hadn't really read the book. I just opened it and left it that way and went to the restroom and came back and was in deep trouble for breaking the back on a book, which I didn't. But that book happened to be uh, Emily Dickinson's poems. And um, while I was still too young to understand what was going on, I could read them. And the words were not foreign to me, if that makes sense. And I loved what she did with language. And I think that's when I first came to it. And then I had a high school teacher who said, one day you're going to have a book of poetry and I want the first copy. And she did get that just a few years ago. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great story. Cool. Well, that's uh, that's really interesting. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, you, you've been a lot more careful with books now as you've opened them up and, and left them lying. Oh on. my God. Well, I don't know. You know, delicate books, yes, but I I have pencil marks in all of the ones I love um, because you know why leave it sound and beautiful for another when I can love it to death. I mean, when we grow old, we wrinkle and bend and and you know life has at us, and so I have it those books. So part of me yeah. takes care of the, the cherished, you know, old, old ones, but you can tell I've been through a book. <laughs> That's amazing. Books grow old with you. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. Well, all right. So um, another question for you guys, um, specific to entering contests, um, uh, I, I, it was a two-part question. One is, um, do you enter many contests, and is there anything particular about your experience with the Poetry Superhighway contest, which which uh, you uh, wanted to remark on. Um, so let's start with Matilda this time. Yeah, so um, I definitely entered a lot of writing contests in high school. Uh, I haven't had as much time lately to be as prolific, but one of the really cool things about Poetry Superhighway specifically is sort of how democratic the judging process is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was really cool especially getting to see both sides of it between last year and this year, um, how the system for scoring poems is very, it sort of captures, um, I guess, the subjective way of reading and judging poems in a way that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The fact that it's like that side between three judges and all the judges can score things individually and then all the scores are aggregated, I think it's, probably one of the best methods for judging poetry is that it mm-hmm. like quantify a subjective judgment that's really- cool thank you and um, that uh, that's a it's a it's a good perspective on that um uh do you remember well i guess you you uh, came in second place so you 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 won cash last year which uh i guess you can't complain about <laughs> of course not especially in college <laughs> There you go. Okay, um, Trish, what about you? Did, what's your experience with with contests and uh, and and maybe relative to the Poetry for Highway contest? Well, um, <clears throat> I like to enter the Poetry Super Highway contest because it gives me an opportunity to support um, a great contest as well. Because I can throw that money there, and I don't feel like it's being thrown away, regardless of who wins. Um, and and I think I've been in the Top ten, top six, top yeah, top six last year maybe, and before three times, three different years. So I mean, you can't win anything or place anywhere if you don't enter. So that's that's 
part of it that teaches you. Um, contests are a great way to get, uh, deal with humility <laughs> and to to get rid of any angst you might have because, you know, there can be one winner and one second place and one third place regardless of how good they are. Whereas, you know, you can get your feelings hurt with journals, et cetera, when you don't know what their reading process is. And I agree uh, with Matilda that the judging here, to me, feels so fair. It's beyond adequate. Um, I have submitted two contests in the past, and I do. I submit two contests, again, when I have time. Um, but where I found that the judge, the final judge, was the final judge, and poems were selected by, I don't know, undergraduates or graduates or other individuals, and then that person judged the poems that were prejudged. And I didn't like that. And I still know this does still go on. But if you have a judge, the judge should see all of them instead of other individual. Um, yeah, I I agree with that, and that's um, that's one thing it's I. It's quite you know, common. I did not realize how common, but it's quite common for them to have a guest judge, and and then they weed poems down. And I, you know, we're reading all of them, every single poem. I read every single poem. Some of them several times. So. Well, that's that's uh, it's good to to you know hear your perspective on that because I I'm you know I'm aware of that other kind of method where you have a, a you know one judge maybe it's maybe it's someone who has a bigger name or something who 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 as you said will only see you know a select set of poems that that a that a first tier of people will read um, and select mm-hmm. and pass on and certainly um, it creates a lot more work uh, our method for for you guys but I I think. Uh, it is a lot more uh, universally egalitarian, which is why we we go about it mm-hmm. that way. But I, but I, with that in mind, I very much appreciate that you guys are all willing to uh, to do this much work because it is it is a lot of work. Um, and in particular, at certain points in the contest, uh, like right at the beginning, and as it gets towards the end, um, especially a, a lot more entries start coming in uh, altogether. So it's. I can only imagine it starts to feel like a, a, a job of sorts. But um, so there mm-hmm. you go. I'm well, it's enjoyable. What, yeah. What about it's you? Enjoyable, Lissette? but I wouldn't teach if I didn't like reading um, others' mm-hmm. writing. So. Cool, um, uh, Lisette. How about you? I, I I feel like I've I've probably heard your answer to this question before, but I'd like to hear it again. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean I agree 100 percent about the judging that every every poem that comes in, you know, gets gets a fair a fair chance and we all see it, you know, with different eyes and different perspectives and I, I do appreciate that. I also have to say that, you know, the entry fee is makes it so accessible to everyone that, that I think more people have the opportunity to really kind of throw their work into the ring and um you know, and have a chance to win. Um I don't really enter that many contests anymore um, for that same reason. You kind of feel like you get maybe lost a little bit in, in the stack and, you know, after a while those entry fees can, can really kind of um, put you off a little bit. But Yes, um, you're right. I mean, it's uh, with our contest, anyone can enter with 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 a single poem for a dollar, or with, as some people do, with fifty poems for fifty dollars. You know, it's uh, 
completely up to you how many you enter and, and how much money you spend on it. And so, uh, so you're right. I think there is a, there is a, I, there's a purposeful accessibility uh, there. Um, we're getting some extra sound effects of uh, things rolling and door, 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 doors opening um, uh, there. Um, I'm not sure if, if that's the ghost of the Poetry Superhighway contest who's been known to haunt this very conversation in the past or not. So I guess to, don't be scared, everyone. We're all, we're all going to be fine. Um, speaking of everyone who might be listening, um, if you would like to call in, if you have a question for our three judges, there's a couple ways for you to, uh, to, um, to ask it. One is you can call in. The number is 646-716-7362, and uh, at, a, at, a, at a certain point, I'll, I'll take a break, and if there's anyone uh, who's called in who has a question, I'll be happy to bring you on and let you let you ask it. Just a, a reminder, this is not um, this particular show to read a poem. Um, it's specifically if you have a question for our contest judges about the contest. Um, and then uh, if you happen to be on Facebook and saw the post about this uh, this event, and you you would like to ask a question, you can post it as one of the comments there, or send it to me in a in a private message there, and I'll be happy to ask it as well. So there you go. Um, all right. Well, I asked you guys all to uh, to bring a couple of poems on to uh, to share with folks, so anyone listening could um, could get a sense of of what you, what it is that you look for in poetry uh, in terms of what you enjoy. Um, so 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 one poem by a poet that you love and uh, and one poem by you. So let's start with uh the poet that you love. So um let's see we we um who do we just end with? We ended with uh Matilda I think. So Trish you'll go first um this time. Um uh, read uh, tell us who some of your favorite uh poets are. Read the poem that you selected and then let us know why you picked that particular poem or in any order that you want to those questions. Oh, um, I have a a number of poets uh, that I love. Um, Rita Dove, um, Sharon Olds, W.S. Merwin, Mary Oliver. Um, I love some of Maya Angelou's work, uh, Lucille Clifton. Um, a, a number of poets, they all, they, they're different poems, though. It's not that I will particularly love every single thing that comes off the pen of a poet just because of their name. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, the one I cho- I chose today um, is he's not, I, I mean, I, I like some of his work. He's not necessarily one of my favorite poets. Um, but I chose this particular poem because it's an example of use of simple language to convey an image which this is full of imagery but the it, it it's not didactic and it, it it does not it feels complete but it also is incomplete in that the last line makes you want to read the poem again and i love to encounter poems that do that and i'm mm-hmm. sure you're familiar with it and probably many of our listeners but it doesn't hurt to hear it again um it's called lying in a hammock at w- william duffy's farm in pine island minnesota by James Wright. Have you heard that one? I haven't. Okay. Lying in a hammock at William Duffy's farm in Pine Island, Minnesota. Over my head, I see the bronze butterfly 
asleep on the black trunk, blowing like a leaf in green shadow. Down the ravine, behind the empty house, the cowbells follow one another into the distances of the afternoon. To my right, in a field of sunlight between two pines, the droppings of last year's horses blaze up into golden stones. I lean back as the evening darkens and comes on. A chicken hawk floats over, looking for home. I have wasted my life. Wow, that's um that that make that poem makes me question everything um and and, and perhaps frightens me a little bit of chicken hawks but um uh very cool uh thank you for uh thank you for sharing that one with us um heavy ending mm-hmm. um you know uh, uh, students love it they like to argue well has he wasted his life as a poet and, and others say no this is the first time he's ever looked and he's lying back and he's looking and there's a lot of you know it's a great poem for discussion but um it, it, it uses simple language to paint an image, but there's so much going on with the narrator in this poem. Um, lots of questioning, but again, it feels complete, but it makes you want to go back in. And that's the kind of poetry that surprises me that I wish I could write. <laughs> um, here is one um, that, that well, I'm hold, going to hold read. Hold on, just, oh, hold on just a second. So you, you read the poem from you. I'm going to get the other folks to read their uh, the poem that they chose. Oh, the by favorite poet. Listening. Okay, so we're going yeah. to do it in that order. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and then we'll come back around um, for uh, for you to read the one by you. Um, but that was that okay. was an excellent poem, and I'm I'm glad to not no longer be able to say that I've not heard that poem. Really enjoyed it. Um, Lisette, how about you? Um, some of your favorite poets, and uh, and and which one did you pick, and why? Um. I I also like Sharon Olds, um, Joy Harjo, um, Ada Limon. The um, the poem that I chose today was just from a book that I'm reading now by Karen Crago called No More Milk. Mm. Um, and why I chose it. Um just just some of the images. It's about a small moment and, and the images that she uses to kind of to kind of describe it are just unexpected and interesting and um, I'll just go ahead and read it it's called um, Before We Try I Love You we've tested the word obliquely on the phone buffered by a dozen states we've admitted we'd love to be together that we're lovers that there are things we love each about the other so easy affirming our fondness for football for chocolate for the road that links us for days like today but when we speak of each other, something catches the word at the trap door of our throat. It's like that egg the magician deposits in the cave of his ear, then draws whole from his mouth. Seems impossible, something so large hiding in the space above the tongue. We suspect a kind of trickery, until he cracks it into a glass and we see it, a sun bobbing through its own clear sky. We love days like that, how everything seems possible and everything surprises Think of the finch singing by your window, how his burst of song first amazes you, then strikes you as the only thing he could possibly sing, the only thing that makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's two for two on bird imagery. Um, <laughs> that, tell, us, tell us why you picked that poem. 
Um, just just because the language is direct, it's a, it's about a small moment. The first time you you tell someone I love you, or the anticipation of that, and just kind of some of the images she used to draw that out, just mm-hmm. really really connected with me. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you very much, um, Matilda. What about you? Some of your favorite poets and and the poem that you picked by some list. Of course. So I really, really enjoy reading work by Asian-American poets, but also um, a lot of other people. Because I'm Chinese-American, so I relate to people like Liang Li and Chen Chen. Mm-hmm. But I also really like Frank O'Hara, T.S. Eliot, of course. And mm-hmm. Frank Bedart was one of my professors this year, and I love his work. Um, so the poem that I picked to read today is by Ocean Vong, who is um, an Asian-American poet and an immigrant. It's called... Of the I sing, and I think it's just a really important poem mm-hmm. um, about icons in America and sort of celebrity. It's got a lot of stuff in it. So, yeah, here's of the I sing. We're riding in the back of a black limousine. They have lined the road to shadow noon. They have faith in their golden hair and chest blue feet. They have a good citizen in me. I love my country. I pretend nothing is wrong. I pretend not to see a man and his blonde daughter diving for cover, but you're not saying my name and it's not coming out like a slaughterhouse. I'm not really Jackie O, and there isn't a hole in your head, a brief rainbow through a mist of rust. I love my country, but who am I kidding? I'm holding your brains in, darling, my sweet, sweet Jack. I'm reaching across the trunk for a shard of your memory, the one where we kiss and the nation glitters. You're slumped back. Your hands letting go. You're all over the seat now, deepening my seat's address. But I'm a good citizen surrounded by Jesus and ambulances. I love this country, the twisted faces, my country, the blue sky, black limousines, my one white glove glistening pink with all our American dreams. Oh my God. That's great. That was really wonderful. I, um,. I'm I'm imagining driving through the streets surrounded by Jesus and ambulances um is the thing that kind of the vision that the image that stuck with me but um very cool. Um tell us again why why that poem or give, give us a little more about that. So I personally really enjoy poems especially in this moment about sort of America and the iconography of America more importantly. Um I guess the nostalgia that's associated with that because I think in this time where we're seeing a lot of um, a lot of like fracturing of values that we've sort of taken mm-hmm. for granted, I think we're starting to see this country through like different kinds of multiplicities, um, especially in terms of or in light of the political issues that have come up. So I think that poems that sort of examine American icons and like the things that we hold so dear in this country are really interesting to me. Mm. <clears throat> Cool. Well, that's great. Well, we we have three, uh, you know, very very different but very uh, interesting sensibilities represented amongst uh, amongst the three of you, and three very different poems that you that you chose to to share with us. And I'm sure anyone uh, anyone listening will uh, will will get a sense of, of what you guys are uh, what you guys are are interested in reading, and 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 undoubtedly be encouraged by the the variety of things that you've you've brought to the table. So awesome. Um, so uh, just a reminder, if you'd like to call in and ask a question to our judges, the number is 646-716-7362, or you can post a question 
um, to uh, me as a comment to this event, uh, this posting in the Facebook group, or via a private message if you would like. Um, all right, on to uh, the poem by you. We might as well put you guys directly on the table um, uh, so other people can, can really see into what it is, who it is that's, uh, that's reading the poems that, uh, that, uh, that they're sending in. So, Lisette, let's start with, with you this time. Let's, uh, let's hear the poem that you wrote and why you chose this particular one. Um, I guess I kind of had a hard time choosing one. You know, I I have periods of kind of like, you know, self-doubt and, and anxiety about, about my work and what's working and what's not working. So I kind of uh, went back and forth a little bit. This is something that I wrote more recently, um, and it was about uh, hurricane season last year. So there's no particular reason why I chose it, just something more recent to kind of <laughs> Fair um, enough. give you an idea of, of what I've been writing lately. So, um, okay, it's called Hurricane Warning. Before dawn, we load the kids, two snakes, and a semi-feral cat into our rust box minivan to flee South Florida in fear of a direct hit. And still the eye of the storm pursues us up the Gulf Coast like a dogged sheriff trying to make a name for himself. But nature is bigger than conjecture, more deliberate than the tangle of theories scientists spin on their sunniest days, hanging spaghetti string prophecies on a map of our peninsula, which suddenly seems so ridiculous, sticking out from the continent's sturdy hand like a finger waiting to be broken. And our entire state scatters like ants, abandoning their piles of silt and stones, all of us recognizing that nowhere can shelter us if destruction glances our way. So we resort to prayer our white knuckles pleading against the churning sky, the bones of one fist pleading against the bones of the opposite hand, mm. praying, praying into the evening squalls, hoping to be heard above the alarms bleeding from everywhere, urging us to seek shelter from the tornadoes, <clears throat> burst by another unfathomably large storm that overshadows the whole state at once. And hours later, as the air quiets and the queen palms stretch their necks, we survey the damage, the thousands of avocados littering the sidewalks, the pigeon plum and lychee trees and child's pose, the fences flattened and denuding our once private yards. And as the blazing day rises and we learn of others devastated, we are grateful to return to all that remains, the children splashing barefoot in the puddle drain, the semi-feral cat that upon being released from her cage disappears into the brush, returning only at dusk for a fresh bowl of food, and to remind us of the broad world that exists beyond our most tangible fears. Yeah, wow indeed. Wow. I, um, it's, it's, what's really interesting is you kind of have a, a, a real matter-of-fact reading style, you know, uh, but you're reading about this, you know, life-and-death situation, um, uh, so which is a, a really interesting you know, couple of uh, juxtaposition, I guess. Um, thank you very much. That was really cool. Thank you. Um, all right, moving on. Um, Matilda, what do, what do you have for us? So in the vein of um, that Americana style that I was talking about earlier, it's just one of my older poems. It's called Where the Kids in America. And again, yeah, it plays with that sort of subversion of iconography. So I'll go ahead and read it. The first line of the poem is actually like the title, so I'll start there. We're the kids in America. 
The slash for eyes and hands for snatching showed the flicker light wedged between the bones of trees. Walls fossil floored. Splinter the limestone, pay your way in ancient shells. In heaven, you can buy back the past, and fluorescence looks flesh. We belong to lush valleys of absence, peroxide swimming pools where mm-hmm. you question your reflection enough it will cease to respond. And is this enough silence? The echo of an emptied hospital wing whose children have fled to play, we too can run toes through astroturf greener than spring. I swear I remember an atmosphere, we'll say. The air breathes like a patient, fearfully, full of electric paralysis. The nectar in our spines, brightly bitter, catatonic, like the orange grove in five lanes of traffic, quiescent, leaking perfume out through a hole in the sky. Very nice, uh, Matilda. Um, I, when you were the kids in America, of course, the song that has that refrain uh, jumped yep. in my head, and I, I just I wanted to go whoa, <laughs> right there. But um, very cool. Um, okay, Trish, how about you? What poem uh, do you have for us, and why? Well, I had a hard time narrowing it down, um, but I thought maybe. Um, you know, in light, uh, I, I, I write, I guess, um, I, 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 but that was Matilda, correct? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, like her, you know, you cannot, as a, as a poet, you either have to write about kittens or you write about a lot of the current events going on. Maybe you couch it as kittens. I don't know. Um, well, don't forget the eventuality of, my... of your death. Um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go uh, with Migrant. This is a a brand-new poem, and it gets edited every time I read it. So, Um, Migrant. Doesn't the body know the transplanted heart aches for simple symbiosis with a body? It's raw self lifted out of another's sinking boat. It's new craft now christened a pirate ship a pillager of vessels and cells, a chest of mercy once thrown overboard, cracked open. The expense of the new body now rejected. This heart wants nothing more than to live too, take little from the rivers, cutting through it, give everything to the oceans waiting at the edge. Embrace the commensal gathering of breaths, fed, and odd, not rejection. Hearts cannot bear rejection. Did just because of the way you introduced it, uh, did you uh, did you see an edit that needed to be made in that poem? Not saying. <laughs> We've completed the process. I, okay, yes, I did, and I edited it before I read it. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that counts. <laughs> Um, um, I was okay with that poem not having kittens in it. Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, it's great to hear uh, work by by all three of you, and I'm sure that's that's valuable um, as well to the people listening. Um, uh, again, especially considering how how different all these poems were. So, thank you for being brave enough to read your own work. Uh, thank you. Um, here on on the air as well. Um, so moving into the contest it, itself, you guys have have um, 
seen a couple hundred poems already, uh, plus, um, and I'm wondering if you can comment on um, on what you've seen uh, so far. And, and of course, this probably goes without saying, without you know bringing up a, a specific poem or, or or something that would that would call attention to to someone. But you know, it's just general comments about. Um, what, what you've seen so far, and and and, uh, and any reactions to that, um, Matilda? Would you mind starting on the, on that one? Of course. So, I've seen a lot of poetry with really stunning imagery. Um, I, in poems, tend to look for creative uses of language as well as like, you know, sort of like that it factor when you read a poem and you just emotionally connect with it. I think a lot of that comes from poets being or speaking genuinely from their own perspective about something that really matters to them. And you can always tell. And I'm happy to say that um, I've definitely read a couple of poems that have done that for me over the course of this contest. Cool. Um, uh, Trish, what about you? Um, yes. And I'm I'm seeing poems that, um, and I, you know, I don't judge based on this, believe me, but I can, I can tell... Um, the poet sometimes where one poet ends and another begins if that makes sense and that is fulfilling in that to me it says that this poet has a strong sense of voice and I like a strong sense of voice Um, and you can start to see certain images appear again and again in certain um, and poems Um, I, I, I do want to learn something new from a poet's use of language, and I like surprises, surprise me. And I, a, a few of them have surprised me. It's, um, a few of them uh, I would like to hear read <laughs> as contest winners uh, when this is over. Um, again, I want to be forced to read it again, and there have been a few that have pulled me back and made me read them several times. And and, and, it, and it, it rises from a sense of surprise and wonder in, in language and letting language do the work instead of the poems being didactic and um, just, you know, having a heart to pour out, but just pouring it out rather than letting imagery do that work for them. Yeah. Um, just specifically on the comment of noticing the different voices of poets and being able to tell when one when poet ends and next begins, I just want to give some uh, explanation to, to how... Um, how the poems are sent to to you guys for anyone who might be listening. So um, this is pretty much explained in the the guidelines, but poems are sent to you guys um, with the author's names removed. So so which Mm -hmm. which the term there is they're they're judged uh, blindly. Um, You don't know who has written what. You don't know if it's your neighbor or someone on another continent. Um, And and the way that I put together the batches is, is I send them to to you guys once a day, um, based on whatever payments for um, entries have come in. So if, if I've only received one payment from one poet, then that person's single or fifty poems is what gets sent out to you. If I received, you know, pay, uh, payments from three poets, then all of those get sent to you, and it's all in one one email. Uh, without any specific indication of when one poet no. begins and when one ends, and I I do the best I can to kind of 
genericize the, the, the formatting without breaking any of the intended formatting in terms of indentations and italicizations, etc. Et um, so, you know, it's not like some poems are in one font and some are in another font, you know, it, they all kind of look the same. And so there's no, there's no, you know, indication besides your sense of what, what the poet's voice is as to who has written who. And, and if a particular batch contains one poet or more than one poet. So I just wanted to throw that out there um, uh, in case anyone was wondering based on, on what, what you said, Trish. But uh, cool. Let, let, well, you know, my, my oh, comments ahead. are coming from someone who teaches uh, composition, too. And yeah. I, I, I stress to my students, you have a voice. Everyone, it's as unique as your fingerprint. And they they don't believe me when I can tell, you know, that they plagiarized or their voice shifts a little bit because they got a little too much help with the paper. <laughs> but that, you know, I, um, uh, a strong sense of voice in, in poems is something that a lot of poets struggle for um, in a collection. So it's it's nice that that some poets have that. Um, I didn't mean that as anyway. You know, I may be wrong. I may be choosing some poets. It's two two different poets and saying they have a similar sounding voice, and they could very well. But um, but when and most of them are not that obvious. But when a poet does have a sense of voice, and he or she has submitted three or four poems, I can almost tell when that set of poems end and someone else's begins. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I know. I know exactly what you meant. Um, I, you know, I just thought it, it would be uh, beneficial to everyone listening to. Uh, a good idea. About, yeah. So, uh, but uh, but uh, you know, uh, listeners and and potential uh, entry entrants know we have a ringer who can tell when when you're writing. Uh, so <laughs> you plagiarize your out. poem. It's going to stuck out, stick out. <laughs> sure is. Um, Lisette, what about you? Comments on what you've read so far? And another question for you specifically. You, this is now your third time doing it. Uh, is there is there any difference in 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 the, what you've said or any any different comments that you would make that you might not have made or in the past or similarities for that matter? No, not that I can think of. I mean, I think the quality of the poems that I've received so far has been has been really high and and going off of what, what Trish said, I also have noticed particularly in one of the more recent batches that that sense of, of voice that you get once you read a, a certain number of poems and you you get that strong voice of the poet kind of coming through. I, I think it's yeah. a good thing. I think it means, you know, that yeah. that writer kind of kind of knows himself and, and it's interesting to see. Um for me I just I really do look for, for strong images unexpected mm-hmm. um language that kind of catches me off guard and and yeah and i i do try to read the, the poems multiple times because you know you always get that first impression and then kind of when you read them again you get kind of a deeper sense so i do try to go through them a few times so i can kind of um, um be as fair as, as i can possibly be Cool. Well, your your answer um, started to cover uh, the the next question I, I wanted to ask, which is specifically, um, or not not specific to what you read so far, but in general, what kinds of things are you looking for when um, when you're reading the entries? And you all kind of covered that a little bit, but maybe uh, having you know asking the question specifically, something else might come up. Are there things that contribute to points going up and down? I guess before you answer, I should mention. Uh, uh, 
Again, this info is online uh, for anyone considering entering the contest, but um, I've asked each of you to score each poem from zero to five points using quarter-point intervals. So the lowest possible score one of you could give is zero, highest possible is five, and it could be 0. .25, 1.5, 2.75, etc. Um, and then they're all, uh, as Matilda said, uh, aggregated, and um, and uh, at the end of the contest, um, we, uh, you know, whatever rises to the, to the top, um, out of 15 rises to the top, we typically have um, uh, a poem or two or maybe more that, that tie for one of the top positions, which leads to a, a very short um, second round of, of scoring um, where those poems will get scored between zero and ten points. Um, and again, for uh, the two of you who are just scoring for the first time and already overwhelmed by the number of poems you've received mm -hmm. and have yet to receive it, that'll just be a <laughs> just a, a, a few poems of, that are tied for the top, not not hundreds of poems. So don't worry. Um, but but again, like <laughs> when you're reading these poems, what what causes the the score to go go up or, or down? And specifically, what are you what are you looking for if you haven't gotten into that oh, mechanics, spelling, that that kind of thing? Um, Trish, let's start with you this time. Um, well, I notice, you know, the way I'm reading my poem, I mean, things sneak through and we don't catch it. So I'm not looking for commas missing or commas there and, and that sort of thing in poetry. Um, but, you know, I do look for care and part of that care that goes into something with such a select few words, each poignant and meaningful in, in this piece that's being created, um, there should be a level of care of editing. And, you know, for heaven's sake, let someone else look at it. If if you're, you know, I, I have a poet friend, he's amazing, but he can't spell his way out of a crayon box. So he lets, you know, <laughs> me and several others look at, you know, some of the errors he may make. But, you know, it doesn't change the imagery he's created. He just can't spell well. Um, but I love, a, you know, the, a sense of craft, something um, that is refreshing. The way the words land on the page with a purpose, the, 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 the line and the way it's formed, not just because the lines are all nice and chopped off the same length, but the use of the last word of line, attention to um, inner sound in the line. Um, a poem doesn't have to rhyme to be good, um, and if, if it is a rhyming poem, is it rhyming just for the sake of rhyming because that's just like, you know, syllabic poetry, having a syllable thrown in to make the count work, that doesn't, you know, appeal to me. But it's the craft and what the person, you know, a poem is on the page before even it's out loud. And what does it look like and what does it lift up like for me on, on the page? Yeah, those are some really good and specific uh, insights, um, and thank you for those. And you've, you've uh, come up with an escape room concept uh, that I, I'd like to see if we could launch out there, trying to spell your way out of a crayon box. Um, <laughs> not sure what that would involve, but um, I, I'm going to look into that. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll connect on that and see what we can do. Um, uh, Lisette, how about you? What are you looking for when, you, when you're reading these poems, and what, what contributes to things going up, up and down, points going up and down? Um, I don't really uh, look too much at grammar or spelling unless it's something that it kind of really affects the meaning of the poem or the way the poem is read. Um, 
sometimes when there's no punctuation, it can get a little bit, um, a little bit difficult to really understand what the poet was trying to say. I also, um, I look for for very concrete language. Sometimes when somebody mm-hmm. is describing something big, that's that's an abstraction, and they're kind of cramming it with more um, abstract terms and ideas, mm-hmm. it can get really hard for me to kind of nail down what the poet is trying to say. So. Um, concrete language, just more of it, and just really sometimes I find um, when you're trying to get your point across, some poets will kind of write more and more and more and just add more language to trying to get the same idea across rather than just relying on something really strong and concrete, and I think that that can work against the poem. Too much, too much wordiness. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, to me, the the definitive, uh, you know, uh, the definitive definition to use too many words to say something um, of poetry is is it's about the economy of language. You know, uh, saying mm-hmm. as much as you can with as few words as possible. Um, so, really good insights there, Matilda. What about you? Um, I think with regard to technicalities, like I definitely agree with everything that Trish and Lizette have said. I think for me, though, and this is, I know isn't helpful to anyone who's listening, but it's really hard for me to standardize the way that I judge poetry because it's so subjective. Mm-hmm. I think it really depends on, like, that emotional connection for me. And I think poets can achieve that, like, just an emotional connection with the reader or the listener, whatever the case may be, by just really being genuine and uh, writing from the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's very easy to tell when a poet or writer is, writing about something that they really care about. It makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, without per se giving, you know, spe- specifics on, on, on grammar or language, um, I, I think the idea that you're looking for something that you emotion, you know, emotionally connect with um, is, yeah. is spe- a specific enough and, and a completely different kind of thing than what um, – uh, Trish and Lissette said as well to, to some extent uh, that I think is a good insight for people uh, uh, writing as well. I mean, certainly when we write poems, we want people to, we want some kind of, we have an effect in mind probably. Um, and and we hope that the people who experience those poems, whether we're reading them out loud to them or presenting to them uh, in in a writing form, that they, that they get what you were going for. Um, so uh, I think that's a, there's a certain um, different kind of standardization uh, in that as well, um, and so for you, you either have that; it either has that impact on you or it doesn't, um, and I, I think that's completely valid. Well, guys, um, I, I have a long list of questions that we didn't get to, and I've got two minutes left. Um, I'm, I'm wondering. Maybe we can just go around one more time, and if you've got maybe 20 seconds of, of any final words you'd like to say, um, uh, go for it. Lisette, give me 20 seconds. Oh, my God. I think that's too many seconds for me. Send your best <laughs> um, right away, and um, and hopefully we'll we'll give it the chance it deserves. Good, good use of your seconds. Matilda, go for it. Uh, yeah. To everyone out there, um, just shoot your shot because you never know what might connect. So definitely keep writing. And I guess remember that because poetry is so subjective, like contest scores can't really, you know, quantify poetry. So whatever the results, just keep writing. 
Yeah, that's good advice to hear, even for just submitting poetry and and dealing with rejections as well. Nice. Um, Trish, how about you? Final words. Be fresh and yeah, well, be fresh and be yourself. You know, avoid abstractions and excess adverbs, that sort of thing. Um, it, it's not the subject matter. It's not so much the subject matter for me. It's its treatment, and. You may not make me care about your topic and on the same level that you do, but if you can pull me in and help me see it your way um, or just help me see it in a fresh way, it's going to draw me to the poem far more than um, being uh, too wordy. <laughs> I think as Matilda no, um, Lissette said, uh, you know, and like you said, economy of words, um, we're working with small poems on a page here. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, Trish, i got to cut you off there because I've got 30 seconds left to, to thank you guys so much. This was incredibly valued to, to me as a poet to be able to hear what, uh, what you guys have said, and, um, and I'm sure to the people considering entering the contest, thank you, um, Lisette, Alonzo, Matilda Burke, and Trish, Lindsay Jacks, for, for being here with me today and for being judges at this year's con- contest. Um, we will be in touch many times between now um, and the end of the contest. Please head to PoetrySuperHighway.com and consider entering it. Have a great rest of your afternoon, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.